text I've chosen for the sermon this morning, congregation, is the verses 19 and 20 of Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. We'll read those verses again. And there, Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit then, says the following. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses spoke the words of Deuteronomy and of our text when the nation of Israel was about to cross the Jordan and to take possession of the promised land of Canaan. They had stood there on the border of Canaan once before, 40 years before. But then they had been afraid to obey God's directive to go in and take possession of the land. But now they stood there again, about to go in. Moses himself was not allowed to enter with them. He was about to die. He knew that. And so Deuteronomy is actually his farewell sermon, we could say. It's his last word before the Israelites were going to step into Canaan. And all those Israelites were pretty young. It was a young nation because the older generation had all died in the wilderness. And Moses himself was also about to die and he had led them all those years. So the, the people of Israel would not be able to rely on the wisdom of the older generation as they went in to take over the land. And who knows what awaited them there? War in any case. They were going to have to conquer large cities, city-states, actually. And if they took over the land, they'd have to settle it. They'd have to rebuild cities and towns. They would have to set up some kind of system of government. They would have to develop an economy. And they'd have to learn to be farmers instead of nomads, as they had been in the wilderness. Well, in that kind of situation, Moses gives his final instructions. And notice he doesn't tell them, instruct them on how best to obtain victory over their enemies, what kind of weapons to use, and so on. 
how best to organize the politics of the, in the new land for this nation, how best to organize the economy of Canaan. Of course, Moses knew that those things were also important, but he drew the attention here to what's most important of all if the people were going to be blessed in this land and in this whole enterprise of possessing this land and living in it. And that most important thing was that they would love their covenant God and serve Him and cling to Him. If they did that, they would be blessed. And when Moses then also puts that choice before the Israelites in verse 15, life and good, death and evil, then he urges them in our text to choose life, to love God, and to serve him. And then they will find blessing in the land they're about to enter. And that's an exhortation we can take to heart today too. And I preach to you the word of God in the text with this theme then, choose life. We see three things. That this choice is necessary. Secondly, this choice is worth it. And thirdly, this choice gives perspective. So choose life. Choice is necessary, worth it, and it gives perspective. First of all, the choice this choice is necessary. In the previous chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses had reminded the Israelites of all kinds of important laws that God had given them before at Horeb. And now he comes to the conclusion of his farewell sermon in these last chapters of Deuteronomy. Actually, he's been busy with that conclusion for a number of chapters already. He reminds the people that if they refuse to serve the Lord their God, things will not go well for them. But if they do serve him, they will exper experience his blessing. Serious words. Also here, when he urges the people to make the good choice to choose life. In fact, Moses even calls heaven and earth to be witnesses to this choice. Witnesses are important. They can remind you later on of what you promised to do previously. For instance, when you make public profession of your faith, or when you make marriage vows, the witnesses are there to, as it were, remind you of what you said later on. You promised to serve God, didn't you? To be faithful. So why are you behaving like this now? Well, heaven and earth are called in to be witnesses to Israel's choice there at the border of Canaan. So heaven and earth can always and forever remind Israel of the choice they made before God. They promised to serve God alone at that time, didn't they? So why would they serve other gods then? Gods like Baal and Molech and so on, or the god Mammon, which we know today too, the god Money. Moses says if you ever serve other gods like that, instead of this God of the covenant, this God of yours, know that heaven and earth will remind you of your promises to love and serve Him only and that you chose Him. 
Remember 40 years ago they stood at that same place and they had to go back in the wilderness because they had lost their trust in God, their dependence on Him alone. That shouldn't happen again now that they're about to go in. But if they lose their trust in their covenant God now and put their trust in other gods besides or in addition to Him later on, then God will call heaven and earth to testify against them. He will ask heaven and earth, did these people not choose for me? And heaven and earth will confirm it. Yes, they chose to serve you alone. Heaven and earth will testify. And heaven and earth are permanent. People pass away and there are no people uh, who, who witnessed that choice years from then. But heaven and earth will still be there. They won't pass away. And they can always testify, even generations later, through the generations, to the final judgment. So it's imperative people to make a choice. That counted for the Israelites. That also counts for you and me today. Choose, and choose well. Because this choice is a matter of life and death, blessing and curse. Those, they belong together. Life is to receive God's blessing. Death is to be cursed by God. In verse 15, those two choices are referred to as life and good, death and evil. It's one or the other. What an immense contrast. God's blessing means that the Almighty God wants to be with you, wants to be your Father who guides you along the way to His glorious and eternal kingdom through everything. He's always there. For Christ's sake, He will never leave you or forsake you. You can count on Him. Also, when you think you have nowhere to turn in your life. Also, when you wonder if He really cares about you. He is there. No doubt about it. He promised that. That's a covenant promise He made at your baptism. And God does not lie. That's blessing. On the other hand, you have curse and death. For Israel, that meant defeat and being banished from the promised land and scattered to other nations. You'll see that in the, the first part of Deuteronomy 30 that he, he tells them, they, well, that's going to happen, but that's curse. The thing is, you only obtain God's promises by His grace, but you can lose whatever you've been promised by letting go of God, by placing your trust and hope in other gods or other things, you can lose the riches promised you by not fighting against the sin that lives in you and around you. And then God says, you turn away from me, then I have to let you go. I made you rich. I promised you life and blessing. But what are you doing with these promises? You're chucking them aside. And if you keep turning your back on me, I'm unable to give you the gifts I promised you. And then I have to let you go. And that's cursing and death. Not to have God. See, congregation, Israel stood at a crossroad like that as they were about to go into the promised land. They had to choose. And the choice was so clear. They didn't have to go up into heaven or go into the depths to look, to look what, what God wanted, was telling them. It was so clear. Choose the God of the covenant or choose other gods. 
choose to obey him, serve him, or choose to obey yourself and serve yourself. And that, that choice is extremely important, tremendously necessary to make because it's a choice of life and death, blessing or curse. So they had to choose. Could they even choose? Could they? Yes, they could. Because it's God who gives them that choice. And it's God who teaches them to choose and shows them what the choices are. And he molds the hearts so that they can choose. That's the awesome work of the Holy Spirit. You choose. He, he works in your heart, presents you with everything. At the same time, though, you're responsible. It's 100% his work. And at the same time, it's 100% your responsibility, how you choose. So if God makes you rich, what are you going to do with those riches? When God gives promises, then you need to choose. That's Moses' emphasis in our text and in the context. You have to choose. And if you choose against him, if you choose for death, you have to understand it's your own fault. And if you choose for God and for life, then you're accepting what God gives in his grace. He prepared it beforehand. You just have to walk in it, as the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians. So why would you waver? Choose life. And that brings us to the second point of the sermon, this choice is worth it. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there are choices which are more or less important. You know, choices which, with greater or lesser consequences. It's up to you what kind of coat you're going to buy in the store or what kind of cell phone you want or smartphone. What field of studies you're going to pursue at college or so that's a little bit more important yet. It's not a life or death thing, but what kind of training you're going to pursue is going to have bigger consequences for your life. And even more important is your choice of marriage partner. Going out with someone should prepare you for the question you have to ask, is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? Will he or she be a good parent for our children? And will he or she grow with me in serving the Lord? A lot depends on that, right? So that's even more important. You see, we, we live in this world in which there are a thousand and one possibilities. All kinds of possible choices nowadays. All the choices. You know, when you step into a fast food places, they, they, they have all kinds of choices for you, and that's representative of our, our world, our society. How would you like it done? What would you like on it? And what would you like with it? Think of the technology available today. What kind of computer will you buy? What kind of coffee maker? What kind of car? You can be so busy checking out which one to choose that you become absorbed by all the choices and you forget that your life is actually about God and that He is the ultimate choice and all these other ones are just minor ones. It's actually your life is about God and not about your wants and desires or even your needs. Satan uses the force of advertising, you know, today as a kind of lightning rod for our affections. 
And then it becomes all about the choices in technology and so on, whereas actually your life is about, about God, about choosing Him. No congregation, Satan uses all kinds of tricks to distract our attention away from the true God, the God of life. He wants to drag us down to death with himself. Think of the God of sex worshipped by so many today. Then I think of the music video scene. The more risque, the better, the more popular. The music videos of Lady Gaga or uh, Miley Cyrus, so sexual, former Hannah Montana. It's about sex. If you choose to follow that kind of life and that kind of entertainment, after a while, nothing will shock you anymore. You go from one thing to another because you just not, you're not going to get the promised satisfaction. And you get used to it. And you think it's normal. But the Bible speaks a different, completely different way about sex. Think, for instance, of the Song of Songs in the Bible. That book, Song of Songs, shows how covenant young people grow towards marriage, towards intimacy as the intimacy there is, is a wonderful climax of marriage. An intimacy that even also grows deeper and deeper over the years within marriage. Narrow-minded or boring? Not at all. Via the Bible and its norms and values, our God wants to keep us from sinful ways, from behaviors which are self-destructive and never give the satisfaction they promise, from ways which are literally dead-end, ways that are cursed. And therefore, Moses says to God's people to choose life. Choose life. That's so worth it. Actually, it's not even a choice, is it? Who chooses curse and death without God over life and blessing with the eternal God? Who in the world would do that? It's worth it, abundantly worth it, to choose life with God. Unfortunately, Israel in practice later on often, all too often chose for other gods, as you know, other things to center their lives around, other things to trust other than the God of life who had shown himself so merciful and faithful when he delivered them from Egypt and brought them to their, their land. And we're always, always in danger ourselves, too, of doing the same, centering our lives around other things instead of around the God who has delivered us in Christ. We profess our faith, and the battle continues. Satan is always looking for our weaknesses in order to draw us away from God and therefore choose him and so choose life, people. Give yourself to him with your whole heart. Open your heart to him. Let him lay claim to everything in there. That's what love is, isn't it? You can't love halfway. It's all or nothing. Love God above all, your neighbor as yourself. That's life. That's life. That's blessing. Choose it. It's worth it. And that's the first thing Moses mentioned in, in regard to choosing God, choosing life. So how do, you, how do you choose life then? Well, in the first place, by loving God with your whole heart. Do you dare place your, your whole life 
openly, just open your whole life to God and put it in His hand? Do you love Him so much that you'd be willing to give up anything in your life for Him? Even your money, even a relationship, even things that seem to give you so much pleasure, even yourself, your pride? That's what it's about. Love the Lord your God. And Moses also mentions obeying his voice. That's not waiting until you hear God's voice in your mind or so. No, listening to God's voice in the Bible, that's a lifelong thing. Listening to God in his word and obeying his voice then too. Listening to him when it comes to what you're going to watch in television, which sites you're going to visit on the internet. And then it's not a matter of seeing how far you can push the boundaries of what's biblical, but choosing to stay close to him. That can be a hard struggle. Actually, it's an impossible choice to make in your own strength. We'd all be drawn away. But Jesus Christ obtained a life-giving spirit, and he's been promised to us, and we can count on his strength. And he has the power to change hearts and minds. And then Moses adds that third exhortation in our text. He says, cling to him. Cling to him. What a beautiful expression. That means hold on to God and don't ever let him go. That's clinging. Like a young couple, you know, they cling to each other. They hold on to each other because they love each other so much and they never want to let each other go. Think about each other all the time. Well, that's how Moses calls us to cling to the Lord our God. Love him so much you never want to let him go. So much that he's constantly in your heart and in your mind. And congregation, if you cling to your God like that, you love him and cling to him, then you can count on his help and strength too. After all, he chose you in the first place. He chose you. Most of us, when we didn't even know that yet, just babies who hadn't done a thing for him yet. Of ourselves, we were on the way to hell right from the beginning of our lives already, but, but God took us off that path and gave us a place in his covenant and congregation with his promises. Gave us the wonderful promise of life with him in his glory and perfection forever. He's already given that. Choose him then. It's worth it. So worth it. Oh, there are a thousand and one choices we have to make in life. But where will you ever in your life get to choose for eternal life and blessings? And consider the alternatives to choose against God, to not love him or serve him or cling to him. That eventually leads only down, down, and down to darkness and eternal death, but choose life with him. The eternal God just leads you up, up to life, to joy without bounds. Uh, it shouldn't be a hard choice, should it? And that brings us to the, the final point of the sermon. This choice gives, gives perspective. Choose life, says Moses. People see life differently 
They live for their ideals, like a wonderful career, big income, wonderful husband, beautiful wife, nice house full of nice things, travel all over. That's, that's life. Or getting involved, sadly, getting involved in, a, in the whole virtual world of, of internet life, as if that's the real world, chatting, chatting on sites or cam, getting involved with others on social media. It's, they think that's life. It's escape from life, from real life. You can make yourself the way you want, want to be. And then to, in, in that, the Bible's description of man is a real killjoy. Of, of, the Bible reminds us constantly about things that are not nice to hear. Our sins, our sinfulness, our condemnation, the condemnation of sin and, and, and hell and so on. But you can accept all of that if, if you know and love and cling to God. He saves me in Christ from sin and hell and curse. That's why he gave me his covenant promises. And what he promised me and you is no different from what he promised ages ago to Abraham. He said, I want to be your God. Walk before me and fight against sin. And he promised Abraham, I will multiply you greatly, and I will give you this land to you and to your descendants as an inheritance forever. And then he said the same to Isaac and to Jacob. They're also mentioned in our text. And 400 years after he gave those promises, Israel stood there at the border of the land of Canaan. God doesn't forget he doesn't forget his promises. He's faithful. And now he was about to bring his covenant people in the promised land at the time of our text. And then through Moses, God promises Israel further blessings once you're there. He promised they could live long in the land which he was about to give them. That they would prosper there. A very tangible blessing for them. But there was also that old covenant condition. As long as you love God, obey him, and cling to him, then it'll happen as he promises. That's how it always works in the covenant relationship with God. He gives wonderful promises, and he's true to his promises, but he asks us to believe those promises, accept them, Cling to him. Listen to what he says in his word. He wants our love. And then those blessings will come. That's 100% certain. And you don't have to be perfect. But seek him. Love him. And that still counts for us today, doesn't it? God hasn't promised us a a country like the land of Canaan, he has promised us spiritual blessings, so. And, and, and the, the citizenship in, a, in a, an eternal kingdom, he promised that he would always be close to us and that the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ is also for us. He set his heart on you and me. And you know, the more you believe that, 
and live out of that faith, the more blessings you'll see then too. You'll see the blessings in your own life. You'll see the blessings of church and communion of saints. Yes, it requires sacrifices to be part of the, the church, the communion of saints, but you get a pile back. Think of what the Lord Jesus said in Mark 10. Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come eternal life. You might have to leave brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers for the sake of the gospel, but you get brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers back in the communion of saints, all kinds of them, and a place in the church, and eternal life with God in the new Jerusalem in the future, along with other spiritual children of Abraham. That's what's ultimately promised by Moses in our text. Life forever, new in the new heavens and the new earth. And you know that God's promises are so sure. The Bible tells us he's never failed. Never. Maybe, maybe sometimes you think from your point of view, God's blessings are a long time in coming. I don't see it. God won't forget you. Never forgets. The Bible says that too. Believe it then you'll also more and more see that you are blessed and that you are on the way into greater and greater blessings, eternal blessings, an eternal inheritance. Choose life. Amen.